Uh, and this, this is the initiation of uh, something that we've been talking about for a while, and that is Lakeland Vineyard Heights going over to the neighborhood and beginning to minister in that neighborhood. Um, and, and so we're going to start that on the 19th. And, and here's what it's going to look like. You know, we're going to meet. Um, and our whole intention is that we are there to pray over the neighborhood. All right, we're going to have, depending on how many people show up, we're going to have teams uh, that go. You'll not be by yourself, so don't worry. Uh, you'll go, and you're just going to take a street, and you're going to walk that street. If you walk fast, and you glad I got, glad we got that to play. I asked Clayton, I'm like, you wrote that? He's like, yeah. I was like, that's awesome. All right. So words are uh, powerful. And so, so as we talk about this, and, and words make up, st- make up stories. And so when we talk about our, ourselves and, and getting to know ourselves, we can't help but notice that in that there, there's a story. And we have to acknowledge our whole story, you know, the, the past maybe that wasn't good, uh, you know, last week when you got in an argument or things weren't going your way, and the whole story. And so many, uh, some of you in this room have had a life that uh, you would say is low to no drama. You, life has been good. Others in the room have carried heavier loads and been filled with burdens that really, when when you think about it, they are unthinkable. And they're oftentimes, they feel like they're unbearable. And so, no matter what your story is, if if it's the the one or the other uh, there or somewhere in between, your story is significant. And and here's what it is. I want to say your story is important. It's meaningful. And, and what I'm writing is, it, it's a part of human history. Like, you are significant, even though you're one in seven billion right now. God created you. And there's no one else like you. There's no one else that has an identical story to you. And God has, has, has chosen to write you into his story. And those uh, in here that, are, that are, have said yes to Christ, that, that you're writing an eternal story that is right now. And so God created you. That's the most important part of your story. Jesus redeemed you to the Father through his blood. It was part of your story. And, and so when we talk about this, for me, looking back over my story, it helps me to see the ultimate grace of God. You know, I, I see this um, as he's loved me um, uh, and his love for those that I know. And I look back and I, I, I don't, I'm not one of those people that looks back and laments over the things that I could have tweaked. Uh, should I have continued playing 
basketball or why did I switch to soccer and why did my coach get us pink jerseys before pink was cool? Like, what, <laughs> what did that happen? So I went, I went and I played soccer for one reason. Trey Barrett was my best friend and we played soccer. And I was getting okay at basketball. And, um, but I switched and I, I look back and I've made some stupid choices in life. Okay, thank you. We all have. <laughs> I know. Believe me, all right? And so, but why, we can't, we're going to look back and lament those things. I'm going to look back and just focus on those and say, man, I wish I would have. I don't, I don't do that too often. Um, but I, I rather look back and say, man, look at these places where God carried me, where I was truly an idiot. Okay, like, Stupid stuff, man. Teenagers, uh, you guys can relate. I mean, that's when I made my dumbest decisions when I was a teenager because my scope of knowledge was right here. This is life, okay? But I'm going to miss the party. There's not ever going to be another one. I did. And hey, like some of us are still there sometimes, right? And so we make these decisions, and, and in that, our parents are trying to hold us down. And, you know, and I, we want to do one thing, but I want to do the other thing. And sometimes they're right. And you don't discover that until you're about like 28, or you have your own kids. And you're like, yeah, about that. I'm sorry. Um, it's like a, you come with a list of things I'm sorry for. You were right, you were right, you were right. Just say it, I told you so. Okay, um, and so, and then, but they don't say that. They just kind of like, I think they laugh maybe on the way home. <laughs> so, but anyways, um, and so in those places though where I was an idiot, he loved me. And I, and I see that, and, and, and the places where I served him with what I said, but my life looked like hell. He loved me. Uh, in the places where I was following hard after him, he loved me. And so I've seen this God mercy in my life continuously flowing. I've seen it through the placement of people in my life. You know the type of people that they do something that's, that's weird. They tell you the truth. You know, those people. Those people. They tell you the truth and, and they tell you the truth. Then they do something even stranger. They tell you the truth in love. And then you get mad about it because you know it's the truth. And you, you're like, who are these people, man? You know, when, when people speak stuff like, you know, Andy, the decisions you make affect everyone around you. Dad. Um, <laughs> they don't just affect you. Now, as a teenager, that's hard to process, right? Like, dude, the decision you make is not just affecting you. 
there is just me. Like, what are you talking about, okay? And so at dinner sometimes, when we sit at the dinner table, we sitting like this, and the sun's coming down over here, and sometimes I have to remind some people in my family to look outside and then remind them that the sun's out there and that the house isn't rotating around them, <laughs> which reminds me, too, that it's not rotating around me either, that I'm not the center of the universe. Ellie, I was not talking about you. All right. I always say it to you. Oh, sorry. Then I was talking about you. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I love you. All right. And so, but those reminders are good because here's what, I mean, seriously, we, we it's not like we grow out of that. We don't grow out of that self-centeredness. I mean, we are, we are people that are looking for self, looking out for self. I mean, if we're going to be real. And there are people that serve well. Um, but we still have this thing that we come back to where it, it's self-preservation and what am I going to do and how am I going to give unto myself, all right, and then I can give. When my retirement plans at this point, I will be willing to give to missions, right? So there's this argument there of wisdom versus what God's calling you to. It'd be silly, right? You have a retirement plan, you give it all away because God told you to. Are you sure God told you that? And did you go to um, Edward Jones before you did that? All right. And, and so God calls us to crazy stuff. And so I'm sure in your own life, if, you, if you've looked back, and not as a chance to beat yourself up, but rather as to see where God carried you. And these moments of reflection, I think, are important because sometimes in, in, in the depths of our our sorrow, we can look where God is carrying us. In the midst of moments where uh, truth seems to be not absolute, it seems to be like, what is going on in my life right now? Where are you, God, right now? Is that we can look over our life and say, God, you are in fact here with me. You are near to me right now. Because I look over my life and I see where you're near to me at, at these intersections of life. At these flashpoints where you carried me through because I, I could have not done it on my own. But you carried me through. And God loves you right there. And he's comforted you right there. And he loves you and me in spite of you and me. And maybe some people that really bother you because they speak the truth into your life, that might be happening to you right now. And you're bugged by them. Now let me tell you something. There's something about speaking the truth, but in love, rather than just speaking the truth. Because they're speaking the truth, which is okay, you know. And you can be harsh. And you can be not God-centered. Or you can speak the truth in love. The truth in love is going gonna, gonna to bring healing. It might bring challenges, but it's going to bring healing. And, and so the point is this, that knowing who you are and where you came from is super important. Knowing that your story, if you're in a relationship with Christ, you have a story that preceded Christ. And that story is important because it is your story. Yes, a new and great chapter 
started when you received Christ as your Savior. But your story up until then was still part of your story. And it will be. And so knowing that you're a child of God and loved by Him is paramount. That's when you come to the realization that, you know what? The past, though it is my past and though it is my story, it doesn't define me. I'm living under a new definition of what it is to live now. I'm not dismissing what I did in the past, but I know that it's covered because of the blood of Jesus. And so I came to this point in my life where I was going to give my life to Christ because I'm coming to a point of desperation where I say, God, I can't do it anymore. And some of you in this room can relate with that. And, and, and so this, this series that we talk about, getting to the heart of the cross, it's more than just talking about the cross. Of course, we have Easter coming up on uh, the 16th. We have Good Friday then on the 14th. We have Palm Sunday next Sunday. But I couldn't just go and do these normal messages because, because I'm, I'm afraid of we don't know the significance of the cross. Because if we looked at the cross just as its own event, we are missing historical parts of the story. That when you line them up, you're like, there is no way this happened besides God. And so I want to take us today into... Uh, the book of Exodus. And if you turn with it, you can just kind of have it open. I'm just going to be flailing around. I'm going to take us through um, five things that are important. I'm going to make sure I said five. It wasn't, I hope it wasn't four. That would be embarrassing. All right. Get to the fifth one, like, I got nothing. All right. So we're going to be looking at different portions of Exodus, and we're going to be paraphrasing. If you want to go through and read um, three Exodus really 1 through 15 later today, uh, I, encur- I really do encourage you to do that. Um, but I'm going to, for time's sake, we're going to carry us through here. Uh, we know that in Exodus, um, we see a, a character uh, come uh, into existence uh, by the name of Moses, right? He's chosen by God to deliver a people, a people that were enslaved, all right? Uh, These are called the Israelites, and they were enslaved in Egypt, and he was going to be the mouthpiece, right, that would speak to Pharaoh, and Aaron would come alongside him and and, um, do various complaints to God, and Aaron would come alongside of him, and, and they would speak the truth. Uh, to Pharaoh, all right? And so there's this kingdom announcement that, that God is saying, hey, I'm going to use you uh, to, to free my people, all right? Now, the Israelites were God's chosen people. Does that mean that God didn't care about anybody else on earth? No. We're going to learn next Sunday that, in fact, God cared so much about the Israelites that it, it was their mission to spread the good tidings of who God was. And so we're going to talk about, next week we're going to talk about the tabernacle and the importance of that. But right now we're going to talk about how, what this exodus event and how it affected 
um, really history. And so we, in Hebrew, there's this tradition to name people, and you don't just pick a name. You're just not like, you know, I like Ellie. I like Mia, all right? And so, or I like Andy, you know? And so the name was the character of the person, the reflection of their character. And so God is saying to Moses, I am going to deliver the people. I'm going to use you to do it. And God says, well, if I just go back with that, I don't think they're going to buy that. Like, what is your name? And so in 3.14, uh, God replied to Moses and he said, I am who I am. He says it again in Exodus 6. I am who I am. And this is God telling Moses that he's Jehovah, that he is Yahweh. He is. And there's a significant meaning in this <coughs> to be, someone's, can someone grab me a water because I am going to lose it here in about. <coughs> Thanks. <coughs> I did this during um, Steve and Paula's wedding. They're married. Yeah. <coughs> During a wedding, I'm like, God, please. <laughs> so it stopped. After Paul was like, oh boy. <laughs> so God makes this announcement of his name, the kingdom announcement of his name is Yahweh. And so the special meaning of Yahweh is this. It, I was who I was, I am who I am, I will be who I will be. And we got to look at this because this is significant when we talk about God is going to be named. God is going to have a name, God is going to become king of a people in the Israelites. And so... God is going to look at the Israelites as what's called a vassal state. And, and if we look at this traditionally, you would, if I was going to come in and take over this area, I would still have another kingdom over here, and then I would rule you remotely, if you will. Okay, so this setup is going to be completely different, and we'll expound on this next week, but this setup is where God is going to come. And he's going to enter into a covenant with his people. And he's going to be among his people. And so the presence of God, the living God, is going to be among his people. I am is going to rule his people. And so God comes and is near to his people. This has not been seen over a group. He's chosen this group. And he's going to be near to them. And so we have this spiritual battle that takes place, right? There we see the collision of two kingdoms. The kingdom of God, the living God, the one and true God, uh, the monotheistic, there was only one God here, versus 
darkness. Okay? Versus a multitude of gods. And so what happens here that in this spiritual battle and and why do we have intercessory on Thursday is because there's a spiritual battle that's taking place so that results happen in the physical. War is had in the closets of prayer. And so we're not battling just physically, but against principalities of darkness. And so that's what's happening here. And Moses is going to make a few announcements in this collision of Yahweh versus Egypt. And really, when we think about this, I've read a couple things where it says these are actually unbattles. Here's why they use the term unbattle because it's the God who spoke and there was. See, you can't compete with that. You can't walk into the ring and think, I got this. No, you don't, because you're the, on- the only reason you are is because I am, and I own you. And so he has reign over this darkness. And even now, God would come and speak to us, and he would say, I am. In your storm right now, I am. And so he comes in this unbattle versus darkness, and God ex- executes the judgment of ten plagues onto Egypt. Now, this is not, not going to be had as coincidence as they might look at it, because before every plague, Moses says, this is going to happen, and then it happens, all right? And we see this battle take place with Aaron's staff, right? They reproduced their staffs. But Aaron's staff, what happened to it? It ate in the unbattle. Tasty treat. Okay, put them down like a little Debbie. All right? And so they were like, we haven't seen that before. All right? And so he's going to come, and, and then in every plague, he addresses one of the Egyptian gods. And he says, you, no. You, no. And then he gets to, you know, kind of the, towards the end of the list there. And Ra, the sun god, he blots out the sun. I rule over everything. Why do I rule over everything? Because it's mine. And I created it. And what did he say about the creation? He said, I s- created it and it was good. And so he says, now you might think that you have control over what's going on, but I don't know what he did. Tink. Turn the switch off. You know, I mean, we're talking about God, the creator of the universe, blots out the sun. Nope. And then he's going to take, which was considered a deity on earth, Pharaoh's son. And that firstborn son was going to die. Now, this is not to be taken lightly, but God was showing that I rule over everything. And here's what the mercy of God that we see in this is that Egyptians were invited in to the kingdom. They weren't worthy. They weren't his 
chosen ones, but they were invited in. If they saw all this happening and they said, you know what, God is God. The Lord, Yahweh I am, is the one that I will follow. I'm going to turn from all these other gods that I have. And we've been in situations like that too. Maybe in your life, money was your God. and You had to turn away from that. Maybe in your life, uh, uh, sexual sin was something that you had to turn away from. Maybe in your life, pornography was something that you had to turn away from. It had become a God in your life. Or alcohol, or drugs, or whatever that would replace God. And you came to a point in your life and you said, no. Because God came and changed the scene where you were. And he blotted out what was seemingly powerful over you and he said, no, not anymore. And you said, yes, I will follow you. And in this, they have the Passover. They would take a select lamb that was a year old, and they would live with it. And we, went, we talked about this before. They would live with it, invite it in the house. They would feed it. They would get to know it. And then they would sacrifice it. And now I want you to think about this, not as an adult. I want you to think about a lamb that's in your house that's a year old and you have kids. And you explain to them, we're going to invite this animal in. We're going to feed this animal. They probably named it. And now we're going to sacrifice it because God has told us to. And we think about this if we don't think about it in depth, we think, well, whatever. That probably stirred some stuff. And so they, they covered their doorways. They invited Egyptians in that would do the same thing because they'd come to the realization that, wow, God is all-powerful. And I want to go with you guys. And they'd cover their door, and God passed over and spared their lives because of that sacrificial lamb that he instructed them about. And so as they leave, because Pharaoh had had enough, the cries of Pharaoh went out because he lost his son. He had hardened his heart to the living God. And this deeply affected him. And he says, get out. And these people begin to move. And I'm not talking about a, a group of people like this. I'm talking a huge amount of people are moving. And then God brings them to the Red Sea. And so there's this spiritual battle that takes place. What are we going to do now? And we just watched uh, Lion, no, not Lion. Um, we watched, uh, what are those called? The Lion, the King, the that series. Narnia. Yeah, the boys and I just watched um, Dawn Treader or something yesterday. Dawn Treader. And the last part of it, you, they, they sail out to, you know, they're in Aslan's land now, and you see the sea coming up like this in a constant wave that never crashes, though. So it's just shh. Something's like, man, that's awesome. Like, could you imagine seeing that? 
Like, dude, that's a huge wave. And then you're like, dude, it's not moving. You know, <laughs> you're like, so he spreads the water out, right, so that they could walk through. They walk through. Egypt, Egyptians are now, Pharaoh had a change of heart and says, what am I doing? Go after them. We need to kill them. Goes through, and he closes the water on them. So there's this physical battle that happens. And it's an unbattle again. Here's the water. Here's the people. They're gone. And so this unbattle takes place. And, and so the Egyptians are swallowed into the sea. And here's what I want to get to the point of this, is that, that through that, the, the, the Israelites are on the other side of the water, and there is a sea that separates them from their enslavement. They can look over that sea and know where they came from. They know where they are now. And they celebrate this, and they sing this song in Exodus 15. And it uses the name Yahweh, which later on would not even be used. As a matter of fact, they took the vowel symbols out of it because it was so holy. But they used it eight to ten times in this song where it says capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That is saying this. I will sing. I will sing to the one who is, the one who was, the one who is, the one will be. When, it, when you read that, read it like that. I will sing to I am. The one who was, the one who is, the one who will be. Miriam says this, the kingdom confession. The Lord, Yahweh, the one who was, the one who is, the one who will forever be, will reign forever and ever. And she confesses the kingdom is coming, that the kingdom was more than just a geographical location, but it was the interaction of a living God in the lives of people. When the kingdom comes, that means the king is on his throne and he comes and interacts with his people. What does this mean to us? That the king is for his people. The king is against the oppressor. The king's rule brings freedom. If we are willing to come under the lordship of Jesus Christ, we are in fact headed for freedom. It is a process, and it might not happen overnight, but the realization that we are free is found only in Christ. And as we look at this, we look at God is involved in the events of earth. He is involved in the affairs of man. He is active and dynamic in every situation. So the Exodus story points forward to the coming of Christ. 
If we talk about this, we've God's grace to a chosen people. Their mission was a journey to a promised land. And their mission was to tell everyone about God. Now here's what happens. To us, that should be ultimate reality, right? Hey, I recognize that story. Christ was sent. Christ performed miracles. Christ was hung on a cross. And Christ looked at death and said, no more. And so, as God and our mission is not a journey towards a promised land, it is towards heaven. And our mission is not just a small piece of land, it is earth. Every tribe, tongue, and nation will bow before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That has to be the heart of who we are. That right there will make me show up on Wednesday the 19th. Because I know when I, call, when I walk into the land that God is going before me, that I know when he leads and calls that I need to answer what he's doing. That when I look at the, the, the story that is going to arch over to the cross, that, that this is part of it. That, that the story started from the very beginning. And that God in my life has led me out of captivity. That I can look over a sea that he led me through and destroyed my enemy. And I can look back and say, this is who brought me here. The I am that is. The one who was, the one who is now, and the one that will be. That's the way that we can walk confidently into an arena that we don't know anything about particularly, that we might have driven through, that we can walk through and we can say, why am I here? Because I am has sent me. And we don't, need to be, uh, we don't need to be ashamed of that. We need to walk in obedience to what God is doing. And so when we do that, we're not walking over there by the power of ourselves, we're walking over there in the power of Jesus Christ, the one that delivered us. From our own self. And so, if you have never experienced an exodus, if you have never experienced being set free from captivity, I would encourage you to get to know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. If you're in this building today and you're thinking, I don't know who Jesus is. It's time that you know who Jesus is. If you're in this building, you're thinking, I don't know the fullness of Christ in my life, then you need to know the fullness of Christ in your life. Let me tell you, it's time. If you're in this building, you're thinking, my relationship with God sucks. You could be thinking that. You might be saying, stinks. I don't know what you're thinking. It's time. Let me tell you something. We are at a point, we've been at a point where we need God. And there is no shame in calling on the Father and saying, God, I need you. I need Christ in me. 
There's no shame in saying, you know what? I've been a Christian for 15 years, and I don't feel like a Christian at all. Here's what I would ask. Are we going to walk around and pretend so that we feel better? Are we going to walk around in the reality of where God is calling us so that other people can come into the kingdom reality that we need to experience? The time for faking it is done. I think Jen inaugurated that last week. baller. She's awesome. So I'm just tired of it, man. Tired of, you know, not living out the reality of what's going on. And if you're tired of it with me, then I would ask you this. Come join me. Come join us in what's going on and what God's going to do. If you're not a good prayer, I want you there. If you don't feel the compassion for people and the love of Christ, you need to come. Let me tell you something. You cannot not feel the compassion for Christ when you're out on the streets ministering. You cannot walk by someone in a third world nation that's starving and say, eh. You can watch it on a video and turn and change the channel, but you cannot walk by somebody when the reality hits you square in the face. So here's what I believe. I believe that God is taking us on an Exodus journey out of the captivity of staying just satisfied. Out of the captivity of mediocrity. I believe that God is taking us into a place of freedom that says, you know what? I can minister right where I'm at. I'm at Gators Dockside. I can minister to this person. I'm at Outback, I'm at Publix, I'm at Walmart. I'm a minister of the gospel of truth. I'm out walking a neighborhood, I'm a minister of the gospel of truth. I wake up in my bed and to my family, I'm a minister of the gospel of truth. See, because when we start to get this, and we start to get this reality that God wants to use us right where we are, and right who we are, like Jen said last week, you don't need, she doesn't need to be a seven wing eight. Because she's going to minister to people being a four. You're going to minister to people right where you're at. Man, I wish I was, stop. Stop comparing. Start waking up to the reality that God made you who you are right where you are. And that he desires to use you in a significant way. And significance doesn't mean you have this mic on. Significance doesn't mean you're plugged into a guitar. That doesn't mean significance. Significance is here. You might not ever know these ladies' names that are in this room. You know what? And they don't care if you ever know who the intercessors are. But they know that they are making a difference in people's lives. That's what they know. That's significant. You're significant in the kingdom.
Yeah. Would you stand up for a second? You don't know who this is, Carlos. Father, I pray that you just come right now. You're here and you're speaking through your word, through Carlos. God, I pray for, why is he getting emotional? Because you are here. And God, when you come and impact the core of us, we can't help but know that you're present. So God, I pray for this couple. God, would you come and move right where they're at, right where they are, God, even now, that you're, you're saying, God, you are the God of plenty, and I pray it over their lives, that you would come and you would move. You are moving in their lives. A mighty wind of the Spirit is moving in your life right now, is met with challenges, and you are going to navigate well through those challenges, which is funny because I see you on a sailboat right now, which is a funny picture because it's a small sailboat, but you are just whipping that beast around. You like know what you're doing because you're relying on the wind and not just on your skill set. And so God is going to provide for you. He's provided for you, and he is awakening your hearts to the reality of his kingdom and the significance of Christ in your lives and in your kids' lives and in the people around you, their lives. What's up, man? <laughs> Dynamic use is what I'm hearing for you. That God is going to use you dynamically. And that when he created you, you weren't a mistake. That you, you have so much purpose. And in your quietness, that's cool. That's how God made you. You don't need to be out front, right? And so God made you that way, and I just want you to know that God loves you right where you are. And keep using the gifts that he's given you to glorify his name. And it, it might bring question marks into other people's minds, like, what is this that you're making? But you're going to create it because God's telling you that. So be encouraged by that. I really just pray that over you. God, just come and move in Al's life. Man, teenager, I mean, this cat's cool as the day is long. I know that. And I just pray that you would move in his life in a mighty way. God, thank you that you don't give us a teenage Holy Spirit. You give us the Holy Spirit. And right now, I just pray that I would be significantly different for your kingdom. And for your kingdom's sake, and that he'd minister to the people that are around him. And that it wouldn't be just a thing where it's passing, but it's something that is a, a, a coal-lit coal fire that is not just something that you just squeeze on, you know, like a, uh, like a, a gasoline that's going to go away real quick. But it's something that's deep-seated in you. And so I just pray that over your life. Um, there's so many people in here. I look at Joey. Um, Joey, just stand up real quick if you would. This is Joey. I'm sorry, Al, I didn't have you stand up. 
Al, this is Al. I want you guys to know Al because Al, he's going to sit over there. He ain't even going to stand up, all right? He's there, though, and that dude's cooking with grease. Joey, um, a long time ago, I had the privilege of teaching Joey. It didn't seem like a privilege at the time, but... <laughs> um, but let me tell you, I've seen something in your life click in your life. Um, God is going to use you in a mighty way. Um, and he's using you, and, and you're you, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to be anybody else. You can be you. And God's satisfied with that. And he loves that. Because he's seeing the change in your heart. And that is the most significant change that can happen. And so I would encourage you, just keep seeking God. Keep pressing on. If you have questions, there's someone here that has answers. And he has answers, and he will intersect your life with them. Keep asking the questions and keep pressing on in what God's doing. Steve and Paula, stand up. I was just going to introduce you, but I'm not, man. God, I pray for a significant outpouring of your Holy Spirit on their life. You've joined them together. And I pray right now for a significant work in their marriage from the get-go. Forget all this. We're going to take a year and just kind of hang out. God's going to use you right now. And matter of fact, you know that because he used you on your honeymoon with another couple, and he's going to continue to do that. And so I just pray, Holy Spirit, come. God, I pray over their home. I pray over their new blended family. Spirit of God, come and rest. Your presence, your power, your anointing. God, when they speak, that words come out that are going to intersect people's hearts right where they are. And so more of you, more of God in your life, more of the Holy Spirit, more of Christ directing you, and more. We thank you, Jesus. What's up, man?
Yeah. You guys stand up. Stand up. If you would. Yeah, the same thing. Bring people together because we're more effective together. Say that over Jessica and Patrick. Yeah, what a blessing, seriously, to be able to come home and see your wife when that wasn't happening before. And so I just pray, God, uh, I know that in Juice's life you have given her great influence. There she is. Clearly you've done that with Patrick as well. The newcomer. You don't care. (laughs) God, so I just pray that you would move in a mighty way in their marriage. Foundation would be poured quickly. God, amazingly, a foundation would be poured quicker than we've seen before and that the foundation is you and that as they join uh, together as a married couple and they go out and they're just out and about, ministry would take place because of you being in their midst. God, you are good, and you want the best for us. And God, I thank you for the best for them. So, Father, just move and have your way. Now, which brings me to my last point. When we talk about the story, when we talk about Jesus, see, and and I thank you for doing this because I didn't have this in my notes. I had it up here and I forgot it. Is this, that Jesus watched the exodus happen. You know, Jesus was, Jesus in this, weird way he spoke and there was and in this weird way Jesus and the Holy Spirit received the praises of the people of Israel before Jesus was even on earth and so it's just as we go through this stuff I hope you guys just I'm just absolutely blown away by what God is going to do through you um, and through the church, man. 
It's got to be more than a knee, right? It's got to be more than a knee. And I just, Richard, I just, the heart of compassion, um, just over your life, the heart of the Father, uh, I'm just going to pray over you right now. God, you have given Richard Gentry the heart, I, I don't know, a, a huge heart. And so I just pray, enlarge it, his heart for people. And God, there has been no time that you have ever looked at Richard and said, failure. There has only been times where you've said, he is my son and I love him. And so I just pray for the biggest heart of compassion for people. I pray that his eyes would be opened to the reality of who you are. And, and that includes Christy. It's not exclusive to Richard. So I just thank you. I thank you for them. I thank you for their lives. Man, just significant. And uh, yeah. Well, cool. Um, can I, I'm going to say, I know it's running late. I get it. Um, Friday, April 7th, at the church at the mall, all right, uh, from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., um, Steve and Paula have invited us to come and eat some grub, and uh, from what I hear, your mom's doing it, right? Your mom and her ladies, and I heard they can cook up a storm. Okay, and so is it just kind of come? Okay. Yeah. Sweet. February, April 7th. <laughs> I just said February. I literally looked at this and said Feb Friday. This Friday coming up, February, April 7th. <laughs> All right. I am done. All right. <laughs> okay. I said it. I, I was not joking. What's up? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. I had that on my notes in the night. Then I said February, April 7th. <laughs> Serious. Okay, so if you guys don't know what's going on, uh, Ray is going to be heading to Cuba. And uh, Cuba. And so what, are, you know, what do we want to pray for? Well, we want to pray in the direction of that the Holy Spirit would come and guide him. Uh, if you guys... Well, we don't need to, need to go into all the details. There's just some roadblocks that have been in the way. Um, Ray and Teresa are currently selling their home uh, to move closer to Winter Haven, and this is kind of, I'm just lost. Does anybody want to come do this? I'm going to go take a nap. And <coughs> to be closer to Lakeland, they're moving from Winter Haven. Um, and, and so they need to find a uh, place to stay that is within their uh, budget. 
obviously. And also, um, he's going to be going to Cuba. And so, you know how that can be. If you've ever gone or done anything, there can be roadblocks that happen, and you say, okay, God, what are you going to do? And um, so I just, I want to present you all with an opportunity, um, and you can do this through giving. We're going to pray for Ray, but you can do this uh, through an envelope, or you can put a check in there that says um, in the memo, uh, Ray, you just put Ray. Um, we want to give you guys the opportunity to bless Ray and Teresa um, with finances. Because if you know anything, and especially in nations that aren't run dot, 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 okay, it more works like, hey, will you take me on a ride? And here's a 50, okay? Um, or you might get a phone call that says it was going to be 250 and now it's 270 and or you know and so stuff can happen all right and so you know if that's on your heart and you and you already uh we're going to receive the offerings anyways at the end if that's on your heart and you say hey you know i want to give x amount then you can just write that check put ray uh, in the memo and we'll make sure that he gets that uh for the trip okay uh but you hey come up here Teresa, come on up to. We're just gonna pray for him. You guys want to stand? We're almost we're almost out of here, and pray and uh, yeah. Let's. You know, you can extend your hand. You cannot extend your hand. Here's what I would ask: is Where's your heart? That's what matters. All right? So as we pray over uh, Ray and Teresa, um, you know, just go, let's go to the Father together. All right? So, God, I thank you for this couple um, and the things that you want to do. The practical things of, you know, where are we going to live? Is our house going to sell? These things you care about. Um, you care about when our car breaks down. And you are a hurdler for us, and you take us over hurdles with ease. And I just pray uh, over these two, God, this morning, that you would come and have your way. Pray for uh, Teresa as she's here without Ray. You be with her. Watch over her. Help us as a church body to do that. And I pray for Ray, for vision, as he goes and into the land. God, that you've placed on his heart, you've placed on our heart. And so as he goes, we go. And so we pray that you go before him and that you'd lay the path and that he would walk down the path that you have put in front of him even when that path looks like it's stopped and it just takes a step of faith and it continues. And I just pray uh, that you would just have your way in his life and in the people's lives that he impacts while he's down there. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, absolutely.
All right. Um, man, if you have kids, those children's workers, give them a hug. <laughs> Seriously. Don't say it's from me because you might get a right hook. But um, go get your kids, though. Seriously. If uh, you're going to hang out, Rick's going to be playing for a little bit. Um, you might be uncomfortable coming up front for ministry, but you're thinking, man, I need someone to pray for me before I leave. Here's what I would say. Turn to your left. Turn to your right. Uh, get some people around you. Pray for you. There's going to be a couple people up here. And if you're comfortable with that and you need prayer, we don't want you to leave here without receiving that. Um, and so if you're coming up, I think Chuck and Lee are going to come up. Um, yeah, you are now. I figure you're the closest, right? Um, and so don't leave without getting prayer, if that's you. And if, if you're not in a relationship with Christ, I would encourage you, come talk to someone. Come talk to someone. We will introduce you to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so have an awesome week. As you go out and you're being thrown out of this exodus of complacency, I pray that God would move in a mighty way in your life this week. Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have an awesome day. <coughs> <coughs>